Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I am Alex Simmons and this week I am joined by the delightful Simon Cardi. Oh, I was waiting to see if that would be me or not with the delightful. I, I thought it wouldn't, but I was very pleasantly surprised. Well, I couldn't help the fact you were staring with this angelic look on your face. When don't I? Slightly well, cherub looking, aren't you? Oh, thank you, Matt. Oh. <laughs> looking, but not the way you oh. behave. You're an absolute oh, monster with the way you behave. Yeah. Well, do you know who else is cherubic? <laughs> is it is it Matt Persley? I was going to say you, Al. No, no, oh. I was going to... No. We all are. Welcome to the cherub podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the cherub corner. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know how to follow that up. No, no. But we have got a lot happening on this week's podcast. Uh, Matt, we're going to talk to you in a second. Uh, obviously, there were some big trailers that dropped that we're going to talk about. Uh, there is probably the toughest quiz that we've ever done. What? Oh, God. <laughs> I wasn't well, told this. Well, I had a look through it, and I, and I was like, shall we do it? I thought, yeah, why not? But I have put an easier round in of my own, just to make it Ooh. slightly... You're so uh, kind. I know, right? What I a know. wonderful boss you are. Oh, I love a challenge, though. I like to be challenged daily. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. You're going to get that. Um, but first, Matt, you saw probably the most anticipated film of the year which was Paw Patrol, the new movie. Yeah, I know, right? What a, what a delight. I, I've not been able to go to the cinema for months and to see animated dogs on screen. <laughs> delight. What a delight. You haven't seen in truth, <laughs> in, in truth, uh, my wife took my son to see Paw Patrol. It was £3 a ticket and it lasted 48 minutes. That's I was going to say, bad, I've heard then. that Paw Patrol is it's just a television show, isn't it, being shown yeah. on a cinema? <laughs> what a yes. weird thing. Basically. Mm. Um, anyway, but you really did go and see an amazing film in terms of the expectation, which mm-hmm. is Tenet. Yes, Christopher Nolan's latest, eh? Now, f- firstly, I don't know much about this film, uh-huh. which I don't think many people do apart from the people that have seen it. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to talk spoilers at all, are you? Not at all. And should you wish to read or or watch stuff about Tenet as well, my review is up on IGN now, I guess, mm-hmm. since we're, this will go out in the future. And uh, that is also completely story-free. There's, there's, it's, it's difficult to write about a film when you can't talk literally about anything to do with the plot. There's not even the explanation of setup in that review. And yeah. I will do the same here. Um, but what I will say is that it is, again, it's another great film from Christopher Nolan. It, it, it's a, he's very good at thrillers, right? And he's, he's very good very at thrillers. Good- filmmaker i think i know it's it's a general opinion of christopher nolan and do you Uh know what it's it's one i echo please carry on good good uh so it's it's that is uh in terms of our review i call it great because i gave it an eight out of ten please Mm. don't complain that it's not a nine or a ten (laughs) an eight is as we say a great score it's a four-star film yeah yeah uh i genuinely had a, a fab time with it um it's it's got some grit to it in the same way it probably if we were to say it was related to any of his other films inception's the one that comes to mind and i think you've probably already had that idea from the trailers it is whereas inception's a, a heist movie this is a espionage movie that uses a kind of lofty sci-fi concept to mm-hmm. work with but rather than it being about the infiltration of dreams and going sort of like through these multiple realities it's to do with time obviously time is something that christopher nolan is 
obsessed with basically yeah. yeah and i think kind of a lot of his films have always examined time like inception has the time element where it's about each layer of the dream you experience time in a different manner so the deeper you get the longer time is for you yeah um there was a similar thing on there's time for interstellar right on the different mm-hmm. planets time yeah. progresses yeah. differently memento probably the biggest film for him on time in that it was about exploring yeah yeah <laughs> The Dunkirk. interesting thing about Tenet mm. is that it's the most direct like exploration of time that he's done because time is the conceit he's exploring. It's yeah. not whereas like Memento is kind of like this putting together something that you didn't know by exploring something backwards. Yeah. This is literally time manipulation it uses part of the plot. Time as a storytelling device rather than a mechanic in its world really yeah it's it's the macguffin of the the film for for lack of a better Mm -hmm. way of explaining it and the thing i really like about that is it dictates the structure in inception the way inception does a heist movie but instead of if you think of something like an oceans movie where like the team are moving through the vaults well the vaults in inception are the layers of the dream right so tenet does a similar thing where you'll have already seen from the trailers or what you know about it that it's to do with time flowing backwards you'll have seen like the car flipping in in reverse and stuff like that um you may also if you even look at the the title of the film be able to surmise some ideas of what might be coming in the way that even that works um and that's all i'll say about how it how it does but it creates when you start to learn how the world of Tenet works, you can start to see where it's going. It's perhaps a little more predictable than certain other Christopher Nolan films, but that's because you're learning the logic of how it works. Um, That logic, I think I can pick apart slightly, which is why I don't think it's his masterpiece. I think sometimes the time stuff is there in service of very interesting visual set pieces than it is more for the story. And when I got to the end of it, I kind of am a bit like, okay, so I understand where time is being used in example A, but there are some times where it's been used where I'm like, I don't really understand why they've opted to use time in the way that they have here. And it feels like it is sort of just being done because it looks very cool. I've right. got, um, obviously, a huge question here. Um, mm-hmm. Is it better than The Prestige? I would... Hmm... <laughs> Because so I've Ooh. got a slightly different Christopher Nolan ranking to a lot of people in that I oh, think yeah. Dunkirk is his his masterpiece. Really? Oh, see, I think Inception is... So one. for me, it's Dunkirk, Inception, The Dark Knight, then probably The Prestige. Mm-hmm. So, but Tenet is very close to Prestige. I think my... Arguably, I think my biggest problem with Tenet is that it feels a bit like it's Christopher Nolan doing Christopher Nolan, and that's never something I felt about his films before. And this is the one that, because it's got certain things that it shares with Inception and certain things that it shares with Memento and stuff like that, it does, I I absolutely don't believe that this was the case, but if Warner Brothers had gone to Christopher Nolan and gone, we want you to make this film that we believe is a Christopher Nolan film... There's a little bit of that, which is what I would say is what lets it down from being like a nine or a ten. Okay. It's, yeah. and I don't want to say it's Nolan by numbers, but it definitely nothing about it was like Christ. I didn't expect that, which right. is what he has been able to deliver okay. in almost every other film. He's it sounds done. like it's as close to a Nolan Bond as we're going to get anytime soon. Because I know he's oh, yeah. he's gone on record saying it's something he would 
loved to do. Like he grew up loving Bond films as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think he will ever do one personally. I think no, and it's also like, how do you top the snowmobile section from the end of yeah. Inception? Like that yeah. is his Bond masterpiece, basically. Mm. And I think the thing is, is now, like, I don't. As much as I'm trying to say, I don't want Nolan to just keep doing Nolan. I want him to be constantly exploring different elements. I do think that all of his films should explore something a bit loftier. It's even like Dunkirk manages to have a lofty concept because it's exploring this terrible sort of situation from three different points over three different layers of time. And that makes what could have just been a beach evacuation quite, Mm -hmm. quite interesting. And so I think, is there anything in Bond? Like it can't introduce the fantasy of something like time or... No, you you can't really have a proper sci-fi element in there, can you? Unless you say Moonraker is a... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) did a remake of Moonraker by Christopher (laughs) Nolan, I don't know. But what's see, that's the, the um, what's the soundtrack like? Because obviously I'm a big Hans Zimmer fan. Uh, well, it's not it's Zimmer, not is it? No, it's uh, it's Goranson, and it sounds like a Nolan Zimmer soundtrack. Okay, um, <laughs> that's a that's, good thing, right? Yeah. See, this is it. It's like it's easy to criticize these things because you can say like, well, why have you just done that when you could have done something different? But also, it's this fine line that I have with it. Where is is it Christopher Nolan operating as if he's a franchise? Or is this his directorial style? And like we can talk about directors like Scorsese, right? Where I think yeah. in no the one's gonna day, no one's gonna tell him don't make a gangster film. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like in the, I think in the modern day because we've got so used to franchise-based cinema. If Scorsese was a modern filmmaker, you go, oh, he's he's, he's just in it's it's the Scorsese franchise, and this is where like there is the line where it's like, is this just his style or is this him? being a little bit too safe but yeah the soundtrack is very zimmer like it does it's slightly more electronic than i'd expect from zimmer zimmer's much more about sort of like those big horns and the strings making those long Mm -hmm. sounds whereas this is more there's little electronic elements to it that i guess brings across that very sci-fi element to it but it also has whereas you know there's the brahms of inception and there's the ticking clock of um, Dunkirk. Uh, Dunkirk. This yep. has got weirdly Christopher Nolan breathing into a microphone as one of its really? sort of soundscape sections. How do you know it's, it's almost <laughs> uh, because I've listened to Christopher Nolan explain about it in a press oh, conference okay. I went to. It almost sounds similar to um, Dark because a lot of that soundtrack is breathing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's got a, it's got a Nolan soundtrack that I know I will listen to while writing okay. because I listen to a mm-hmm. lot of his work. You listen to a yeah. lot of heavy breathing while writing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I can't, um, I'm seeing it next week. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And I'm of course there's the normal cast members. You get a little dash of Michael Caine. Branner's back. Um, I really am excited to see John David Washington because I recently watched Black Klansman for the first time and mm. thought that That's film and him is absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Washington. I'm actually a big fan of Robert Pattinson as well. Yeah. Um, they, this is where one of the things where I sort of like white doesn't like hit the nine or a ten for me is that this feels like it's going back to Christopher Nolan from a couple of films before the most recent ones he did where he draws his characters a bit broader. They're the puzzle pieces that work to manoeuvre the plot. Whereas I think his achievement with Interstellar is like... McConaughey in that feels so emotionally 
involved mm-hmm. and he feels a really fully realized character whereas if you think of characters in inception like cobb and ames and arthur that they are there to move the plot around and cobb right. obviously has the stuff with mal mm-hmm. that is yeah. important for his there's always a reason for someone in a nolan film to do stuff they always have a motivation but sometimes they don't always feel like fully realized people and i think tenant has that in okay. the so it's not a spoiler to say that John David Washington's character doesn't have a name in this film. And I think that's almost a suggestion to he's not there to truly be a character. He's there to move. He's almost like like, to sound really wanky, almost like a proxy for the audience. Like you're just seeing this through him in a way kind of, he's the hands that move the components that are required Mm -hmm. for the plot. And then even Robert Pattinson's character, Neil isn't fully drawn out. Neil. Yeah, they've all got quite. They've all got single names. Like none of them have really got surnames or anything like that, and they're all quite standards. Like there's not. Whereas kind of like you look at Inception, and it's 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 Cobb and Ames and Arthur. They've all got slightly. You know what's um what's Ellen Page's character's name in Inception? Uh, Um, Ariadne. Yeah, which is obviously comes from the Greek myth, isn't it? Because she's the person that does the thread for Perseus through the labyrinth there's kind of not at least from what i can see there's none of that mythology here it's much more right. i guess nolan i say i think they're not there to be true characters in the way that's like it, they are in interstellar they are <laughs> more there to move the plot around and that's not entirely a bad thing because the plot's cool and it, it's, it's obviously got lots of interesting stuff to talk about with time but yeah you're not going to come up like you can cry at the end of interstellar because it genuinely is an emotional gut punch by the time you get to there you're not getting that here and i sort of wish that he had because he's proven himself and even in dunkirk where those characters are a little bit more faceless but you carry the emotion of the situation yeah and i think especially like branner's character in that how he pulls through is really interesting and you don't quite get that here but they are still compelling leads. Like, John David Washington is incredible to watch. Yeah, Yeah, he's great. I can't wait to watch him next week. And so can everyone else, because it's out... Was it out next Wednesday, I think? 26th, I think, yeah. Yeah. Sorry for any of our US listeners that have to wait a little longer. a couple of weeks. I think it's... In my head, it's like the 13th of September. It's not too long, but yeah. Obviously, uh, stay safe. Don't don't go and and, and watch it in a packed cinema just because you're desperate to see a Christopher Nolan film. It will still be here when yeah. it's safe. But is it? Is that you your will first want to see it in the, the cinema, cinema, though, won't you? Yeah, yeah. So it was my <laughs> first trip to the cinema since, what was the last one I went to see? Sonic, I think, which would have been <laughs> February, I guess, early February. Yeah. I think, actually, yeah. Apart, So I went to see Interception, Inception last mm-hmm. week, but I think Sonic 2 was my last film at the cinema. Yeah, and Party? it was nice to be back. I can't remember what my last film was. We went to see The Lighthouse not long Dear before. Dear was that, though? That was like early February, maybe late January. Might, I think. It might have been that. Mm. I've not seen many films this year because I saw that. I saw Birds of Prey, The Lighthouse, and maybe something in January as well. But obviously, we were all gearing up when lockdown kicked in to see A Quiet Place Part Two. Mm. Yes, that's not even coming out this year anymore, for as far as I'm aware. No. Oh, so, well. just to recap, is it in your? Definitely not in your top three Nolan films. Not in my top three. Top but it's, five. We is it sneak. top five it could sneak into the into the top five it might because yeah. oh. 
Do you feel like it's... <laughs> he's um, got one. so many good films. This is, <laughs> the problem, this is the thing, is I think Christopher Nolan's got, for me, he's got like these three that are such a beacon of what he can do yeah. that I think really represents his filmmaking. And when, when I came out, I said to Cardi, like, it's not top shelf Nolan. It's like, it, but it's a good film. It's still yeah, a his, very, very, very good film. Like, it may sound like a bit of a downer. His middle tier is better than anything. Most, yeah. the, like, uh, the, the conclusion to my review is, like, it doesn't matter that it's not Christopher Nolan's masterpiece because it's still ahead of so many tentpole movies. And it just reminds you that I everybody knows that listens to this podcast that I love the Marvel films, that I love all of that interconnected universe that they've built. Mm-hmm. There's still something to be said about going into a cinema where you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know yeah. what any of these characters are capable of, and at the end of it, you sort of you can sit with it in your thoughts because there is a lot to think about. Uh, like I took nine pages of notes watching this film. This is <laughs> it's a complicated Nolan film, but it's done. Yeah. It's done, and like I like that about yeah. it. Do you think they, it's they one stand little... on their own? from repeat viewings you'll get more like inception the prestige those sort of ones like on repeat viewings you're seeing things is it got that sort of vibe to it Would you... so i am interested to see it again because i think the thing i find with inception that i think is so good is i think it's really clean and it explains very very simply in its even pretty much in like the first act to do with dreaming it mm. explains how that system works and there was never at one point in that first watch i don't this isn't a brag but i never felt lost in that film i think it mm-hmm. is so well at communicating its premise tenet isn't there is a little bit towards the end where i was like why exactly are they working with time in this manner i don't quite mm-hmm. understand why they'd want to do this and so a repeat viewing might help me get more out of that and might clear that up but i think to a degree that's a fault of the film like yeah, yeah. he has proven that he can really clearly work with a big ambitious concept and it's clean and he did that nice. with with dunkirk he did it with inception you know yeah. it, even the prestige i suppose has got that element to it um so it's not quite that but yeah i am excited to see it again knowing what i already know i can't wait to watch and i'm sure in a few weeks time a couple weeks time whenever we decide to do it we'll do a little bit of a spoiler talk about it because i'm sure there's lots to talk about and theorize from one entertainment juggernaut to another me well it could be you or it could be peaky blinders mastermind which you reviewed this week i did review the peaky blinders mastermind game which is yet again another media project that plays with time in interesting Mm. ways which is Uh, not what the television show does i've never seen an episode of peaky blinders Um, i i watched a bit in preparation for this review uh (laughs) It's, a lot of Nolan actors in it, right? Yeah, you've got uh, Murphy and you've got Hardy. You've got... Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. No, Sam Neill's not in a um, Nolan film, no, and no, that's a shame. Uh, <laughs> Sam, Sam Neill's good in Peaky Blinders as well. He's got a, he's got he's a Irish, mad accent. Irish accent going on, I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the game... Well, it's, not, it's not as mad as uh, Hardy's accent. Like, you can barely fucking <laughs> understand what Hardy's saying in Peaky Blinders. He loves Blinders. doing that, though, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, thankfully, he's actually... Um, Tom Hardy's narrating the Tottenham Hotspur documentary coming to Amazon in a week's time, and he's just doing his normal London voice, so everyone can understand. Is he a Spurs it. fan? I don't. I don't know if he is. I've never seen him listed as one. I've never seen him at a game. I'll tell you that. <laughs> is there a list? <laughs> but Kenneth Branagh's a big Spurs fan. He's he oh. narrates our intro video when we uh, before the match. So there you go. Links everywhere. There you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Peaky Blinders Mastermind is. Oh, it's pretty much as bang average a game as you could play. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's not a ringing endorsement. I gave it a 6 out of 10 because it is 
OK. And on our scale, that means OK. It's it's set before season one of Peaky Blinders, so you don't really need to have any knowledge of the series. You just need to know it's about a gang in the small heath area of Birmingham in 1919, so just after World War One, And, yeah, it's just about... It's like a little self-contained story that it's it's a fine story. It's not going to surprise you in any ways, but it's basically there just to like glue together its levels. And you've got ten levels that are kind of they get good towards the end. They're like puzzle box levels where basically you control individual members of the gang one by one. So you want to get them. Say you want to. You've got Finn, who's the child of the gang, so he can crawl through gaps which other characters can't get through and say he gets to a point after crawling through that gap and there's just a locked door in his way so then you need to what you need to do is use the left trigger i was playing on playstation i don't know what it would be on everything else but you do that to rewind time back to the start to control another one of the characters to get them in a position where they can say pull a lever to open that door for finn then you'd switch back to him he can get through that gap so it's basically just moving these pieces around these levels to try and get to the end objective of each level the problem is it so towards the last two levels it gets genuinely fun and quite challenging like you're having to pull these different characters at the same time in different places and think about what you're doing to get it done in time because you there is a time limit to each level but for the first few hours of the game it limits you to about two or three characters at a level as opposed to all six of them, and you're just... It's just fairly straightforward, and there's not really much fun mm. to be had, which is a shame. But I yeah. watched your review, Fury, which which is very good, Cardi. Um, but the one thing that I found about it is I'm watching all these characters, like pole levers and mm-hmm. scoffery things. That's not really what Peaky Blinders is about, for as far as I can no. see. Like, I've watched probably three seasons of that show, and I'd... I absolutely understand that like it's coming from a company that doesn't have the money to make it like a mafia style open world nah. Birmingham where you're blowing up bars and stuff like that. But I would have thought something more like a empire management game where you were running kind of a criminal underworld. So that would, would have... be more interesting than yeah, just opening a few doors or using a character distractor guard so you can steal some champagne from the back of a cart for a party. It's not really <laughs> what they is that something that actually happens that's the first level spoilers is you're preparing for a party so you're stealing some champagne off the gilroys um but at any point in it do you get to use the razor blade in the in the hat yes you do good so arthur (laughs) is a character who can beat up uh other characters not that that's satisfying you literally just walk up to them press x and it does it so like (laughs) there's no real challenge to it but you do get that animation um it's just, yeah, it gets, like I said, it gets quite fun towards the end. It just takes too long to get there. And by the time you're having fun, it's suddenly just over, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've got a good... So it's by Future Lab, the guys who did the Velocity games. And I feel like they've got an idea here. They just, like, if they were to do a sequel or use these mechanics for a different property, I feel like they could do some interesting stuff with it. It's just they never really evolved the ideas enough in this one. That, like, yeah. It's just. I think. I think you're I was just right a little bit with, bored. Yeah, I think you're right. Find a different property, mm. and because that idea of like having to sync up multiple timelines and and, yeah. and sort of use that, it, it almost as if it's like Premiere Pro, the video game. It is a bit like that because you have the timeline <laughs> along the bottom with different coloured mm. yeah lines. 
uh, and so like finding that and like it it sounds like it's it's primed for a heist game where you're mm-hmm. setting up all the people like have you got your lock, lock so there is one in... yeah there is a lock pick there is one or two level and towards the end you do get more of that and mm. there is one level in the middle that's quite good where you have to you have to break into a prison so it's kind of semi like a heist and yeah but you're still only limited to three characters at that point and i just wish i wish you had all six of them for most of the time because mm-hmm. then it becomes complex i think my main problem with the game is it's just not challenging enough to be fun yeah but yeah oh, well. you, know, you know check it out if you want it's out on a <laughs> playstation xbox switch and oh, it's cheap as well isn't it it's not it's only not like expensive. 15 to 20 pounds i think so it's you know it'll take you about four or five hours to finish there's a few collectibles. Uh, it's an easy platinum. I've looked at that. So, Dale, if you're listening, I know you are. Uh, maybe it's one for you. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if people who are big fans of the show go in blind, expecting something else. Peaky blind. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely fine. So, yeah. It's okay. Let's all flock to that. Or not. Um, one of the big surprises this week was, well, I didn't really know anything about it, but a trailer for Black Myth Wukong, I think that's how you pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, I don't out. think anybody knew about it. It just, no, it just dropped out of nowhere. Yeah. And, well, on our site anyway, it's done 2 million views in 24 hours, which is insane. Does it sound like the stats this morning? It was like, how many 200 odd million views in China or something on this trailer? Yeah, on oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Billy Billy, their version of, um, youtube because obviously they can't there's a lot of laws in laws yeah dictating whether they can use westernized uh websites and stuff like that but yeah their social media for video streaming has done an absurd amount of views on this uh and yeah it's a what appears to be a kind of souls likey um melee uh action game from a chinese studio that we haven't really ever heard of before Hmm. but it's got at least from the first this is a 13 minute trailer so it's big (laughs) Um, and i think it it looks like it's been put out there to prove what they can do Mm -hmm. um but it's got the production values of kind of like a very large scale american developer beautiful yeah yeah um so yeah it's kind of as i say slightly souls likey but it's a lot more I wouldn't necessarily say colourful, but it looks a lot more vibrant than it's not got that grim, dark gothicness of a of mm-hmm. a Dark Souls game. And it, I think I'm right in saying, Cardi, that it's been confirmed now that it is based on Journey to the West, isn't it? It must. Well, yeah, yeah. It, like it you play be. as Monkey, like the yeah. Monkey King, as from, Wukong, from, yeah. And yeah. you'd expect that to not be as dark as a Souls game because they are inherently kind of comic tales. I mean, if you don't know anything about Journey to children, the West... aren't they, right? As, yeah. Like, it's a common thing you tell to your children. Yeah, like, if you don't know anything about Journey to the West, it's a 16th century Chinese novel, so you <laughs> may not know anything about it, but uh, it's one of the most famous pieces of, like, Eastern literature ever mm. written, and, like, the stories have popped up in everything. Like, even Overwatch has Journey to the West skins. You've got Wukong mm-hmm. for Winston, for yeah, example. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you, you might have actually played the story of it in Enslaved without realising you were playing Journey yeah. to the West, but yeah, Ninja Theory's game from, when would that be, like 2009 maybe? Ten, Something yeah, like roughly. Um, with Andy Serkis as Monkey in it. Um, <laughs> but you don't get to play Andy Serkis in this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's it looks like it's got that that challenge that a Souls-like has got. Probably, maybe not as not quite as difficult, but it certainly relies hope. a lot on 
uh, yeah yeah well, i mean it would definitely be played by a lot more people if it's not that <laughs> punishing but um he, you, you play as monkey he's got like this big staff there's lots of kind of wushu inspired i get is it wushu inspired if it literally comes from the country that i don't, I don't know <laughs> um sort of fight moves lots of spinning of the stick uh all the kind of the the kinetic energy you'd expect from a man-sized monkey character mm-hmm. <laughs> um it looks like you can kind of steal enemies from other characters sorry steal weapons from other enemies and use them against big bosses um it's got like beautiful fur effects and i think the thing that interested me most is that you can actually transform wukong into a flying insect to kind of stealth past enemies um, which is something that I wish you could do in Dark Souls because the amount of fucking times I'm trying to get somewhere and you just get <laughs> mobbed by people and like that five minute run is over because you got mobbed. Um, so yeah, it's got. I think it's got a lot going for it. I don't think the studio is very big, but they are actively looking for new people to yeah, join I think, them. Is it only currently like thirty people or something? It, yeah, on? it's it, it's small. It's, and it's insane. Like God I think knows. they're looking for maybe another thirteen or fourteen people to join them. Mm-hmm. I get the impression with the amount of stuff that the amount of attention that has been drawn to it it wouldn't surprise me if a western publisher reaches out to them fairly soon and offers them a deal yeah and if they were to take that that could potentially lead to much more people working on it um but the we've seen a it's not a tweet because it's china but an equivalent social media (laughs) post from what we think is the creative director talking about how I think he's quite humbled by the response that it's had. Didn't quite mm. expect it to go far, but they wanted to show it to to demonstrate their chops. And he nitpicks very much a lot of the things like, oh, I know that the frame rate wasn't right here and the water <laughs> didn't flow quite right here. And it's like, dude, your game looks amazing. Yeah, and it's just yeah. a proof in, of concept more than anything. I yeah, mean, and in general, kind of China doesn't have the highest reputation for kind of video games. It tends to be a lot of mobile games and smaller mm-hmm. kind of budget projects and when we think of eastern development we tend to think to korea and to to japan but this is a game that could be a huge breaking point for their industry like if it is as successful as this initial taste who knows when we'll see it uh yeah i think it's years away yeah yeah yeah. but i'm looking forward to it my only criticism is i wish and i never know if i'm pronounced this right i wish that it was zubaji instead of wukong and that we were playing as a giant pig rather yeah, than a monkey yeah. just because that would be funny who knows might like, they there. might be players might be in the well. game imagine yeah. if it's a co-op game and you get to play as all three of the helpers i think the I third one's a water buffalo so that would be good mm. as well yeah yeah i'm all more of that please uh is what i say there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh the other big trailer that dropped this week was the first teaser for call of duty cold war yes well call of and... duty black ops cold war but everyone's just going to call it Cold War. So. Of course. Yeah. You were super excited by this card. I um Just that trailer did a lot for me because I'm big into my Cold War. Like It was my favourite thing at school. Like, I was always going to go on and do history at university, but then I thought I'm going to do something more practical that might lead to a career. So <laughs> that's what I did. Um, but yeah, I love this whole period of history and I'm judging by it, they're going, they're going all in on it's a cold war aspect rather than this is you know your traditional war sort of game and i am interested to see what that means for the actual gameplay because obviously cold war, uh, obviously call of duty is traditionally shoot 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 <laughs> so can i make a the prediction war, cardi yes i don't think it's going to be all that different mate it's no no I, yeah, <laughs> I i i i wouldn't be surprised but i'm also cuz 
they're also heavily leaning on to i don't know if you watched the trailer mm-hmm. uh have mm-hmm. yes we'll get the full reveal next week with actual gameplay it looks like but um they were, I'm intrigued to see if they're almost modernising it in a way, because it's very much almost a recap of the Cold War, and then it says, know your history. I don't know if they're going to do more, like, playing on the Cold War is happening again now, or that it just never ended, because there is like, the argument that it never actually ended. <laughs> I Modern to, Cold Warfare. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah. To, to swing back to our friend Mr. Nolan, yeah. I would actually really like the idea of... Uh, there's something sciency that has been keeping the Cold War going, mm-hmm. and this is about a black ops unit that is trying to break that hold. Yeah, like I like the idea of an espionage-based Call. Like Call of Duty has always had like the odd espionage mission. Yeah, um, but I'd like the idea of one that goes full on, and it's not just you against other militaries be they terrorist forces or uh, or big nations i like the idea of counterintelligence blocks kind of battling out against each other because that means that we get more interesting kind of battlegrounds right like the maps would have to be something yeah. that wasn't just a big russian field to run through <laughs> part of me hopes it will just play on all the big events of the cold war though in your for some reason involved in all of them like the bayer pigs in cuba or maybe you maybe one mission you play as gary powers and you're shot down uh by mm. the soviets i don't know who knows this is my pitch for a cold war game mm. um and then you too starts playing because <laughs> why not i think the thing i'd like like going back to to that slightly nolanish idea as well which and actually this is more of a fincher thing you know how the first black ops was you know, it was Fight Club, wasn't it? But done as Call of Duty, sort of the way it had its... Uh, is it Reznikov? The the kind of twisty stuff at the end? Yes. The Gary yes. Oldman's character? Like, I'd like it to do something like that because I'm not the biggest fan of Treyarch's stuff. Like, I think, like, anything after Black Ops 1, mm, for me, mm. like, I've always been an Infinity War guy, but I think Black Ops had an interesting yeah, ground to explore there. The and I think the the Cold War is so... It's such a problematic war to document because so much of it is shadowy and there's, you know, yeah. years and years after you get new, as as documents become declassified and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you get new information. I like the idea of, especially with that, you thought, you know, know your history idea, trying to find something that allows them to bring an interesting fictitious element to it. Yeah. Which avoids them from being too offensive to actual veterans of the Cold War and mm-hmm. do their own thing. Like, I, I feel think like there is interesting ground. There were theories that it's going to be like a sleeper agent sort of thing that you mm-hmm. will... I know kind of Black Ops 1 had that sort of vibe to it, but I do like that whole idea of being a sleeper agent. It's just, yeah, my big question is, where does the conflict come in a large... I mean, mm. there's lots of little battles in the Cold War, but none of them are really... None of them were directly fought between the USSR and no, no, the no. USA. They're all, you know, proxy wars. <laughs> basically um mm. and a space race maybe it'll be a space race game but um will we get to launch sputnik that's just come to my mind that'd be fun <laughs> wouldn't it uh do you think but, they'll get in a famous person to be the villain again <laughs> well did Branner do a good enough job in uh tenor oh get no him in? oh fuck his his voice his, his accent he's not got a good russian accent good. no no um and yeah on top of that i'm just intrigued to see how warzone adapts in line with mm, this yeah like is there going to be in-game events and then 
once it comes out, do all the Warzone weapons change to Cold Era, Cold War Era weapons? Yeah, I'd love that. Cause, like <laughs> I'm like as much as I like, I love Warzone. I think Warzone's cracking, and I think like it, those modern guns are brilliant, but. There is something about going back and playing the World War Two Call of Duties and the rattle of those yeah. older weapons. And I know that we'd we'd gone on quite a bit by the time we get to the Cold War. Like weapons technology has advanced, like yeah. almost by necessity because of the Cold War. Um, but like I like using older guns in games, so I would like. I think there's so much that you could do with the threat of nuclear holocaust in a war zone premise. Mm-hmm. Like there's plenty of of work that I'd like to see happen there. So yeah, I'm, and the idea that we know that it's carrying on right, and that they've said that the idea is is to link their premium products with Warzone, of which mm-hmm. presumably Cold War is that premium product. Well, I'm just very happy to be excited because it's been a long time that I've since I've been genuinely excited for the next Call of Duty. Last year I was lukewarm on it, like those bits that I really love, bits I really didn't, but this this time I'm I'm well up for it and I think that's mainly because I spent most of my year playing Warzone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in like this Call of Duty really reinvigorated the elements that I love about this series and I've like I've always because I also think Infinite Warfare is brilliant. Like I've stood by Infinity Ward mm. and I think they're great. Um I I'm less interested in Treyarch's work, but I am interested in the fact that it's not just Treyarch this time. It, Raven Software, who have traditionally been over dozens of Call of Duty games now, I think, like a support studio, they are now considered like the code developer of this. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see what they bring to it. I don't know if anybody is working there who was working back in the old days of Raven, but they made like Soldier of Fortune, which is quite an interesting first-person shooter and yeah. bringing that to it if any of those people are still around would be interesting i think it's next wednesday we get the full reveal so mm-hmm. i'm very excited see i just want a good campaign because i thought one mm-hmm. warfare campaign i thought it was brilliant i really mm-hmm. enjoyed it i thought that had good tempo just the right length um and like because i replayed modern warfare remaster and then modern warfare 2 remaster and you forget how good those single oh, player so campaigns good. are uh, and I felt like that the modern warfare was was back on par with that, so I really hope that Cold War delivers on that. But we yes. will see. Alrighty, that's it for this week's news. Now on to the endless search. Inside is the UK IGN crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the ones and twos, we got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we coming through. Yeah, yeah. On the ones and twos, we got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got question for you. Is the endless search? This week's endless search has been submitted to us by TK Hayden from Texas, uh, and he's been on a bit of a Star Wars kick recently, so he submitted a Star Wars theme version of "Go On Name God. Mm. This could be hard because. There's people like me who know Star Wars, but then there's people that really, really know Star Wars. What I can say, Cardi, is I'm so fucking pleased that we're not. It's not even me or you against Jesse because that would uh, yeah, be. He, he knows like Jesse the, reads the, the expanded depths. universe. So, oh really? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see how we get on. Now, <laughs> I have had to change his uh, five questions slightly because Cardi. You did start reading it, so you know what the first one is. So I I've did changed know the first that one. one. But the good news is the first one we did do a few weeks ago, so that's ah, fine. Okay. It needed to be replaced anyway. Also, that is by far and away the easiest one. <laughs> um, apart from the one that I've replaced it with. So, there are five questions. 
Um, and as you know, I will be asking one of you to name as many of the answers as possible. Um, who would like to go first? Oh, do you know what, Matt? You can go first. Okay. What's the subject? Uh, so it's all Star Wars. The yeah. first question is there were 16 named Ewoks in the credits oh for Return God. of the Jedi. <laughs> and this is the easiest yeah. one. This is the easy one. How many can you name? One. Uh, like literally one. I only know one of them. Come on, you must have had the figures. No. Uh, see, I think I could have done four. Who, who fucking liked the Ewoks? Oh, Even right. as a child, I was not taken in by Ewoks. Right. I was a droids kid as a kid. Are you, are you sticking with one? Yeah, Matt. one is all. Like, I genuinely can only do one. I know one of them. Uh... <laughs> Cardi. I mean, I'm going to have to just try and risk two, aren't I? <laughs> uh... Are you saying two? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go two. Matt? Is, go on now. <laughs> <laughs> what a bluff that would have been if I could name all 16. <laughs> well, we'll have Wicket. <laughs> oh, very good. Let's get, are they all going to be like... Are they all just odd names or do some of them have... Like, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're all, Neil. They're all um, <laughs> pretty odd names. So, like... See, there was one of the figures that was the chief. What's the chief's name? Chief the Ewoks. Remember? They don't speak. They just make noises, don't they? Okay, let's let's go off the forest theme. Let's say there's one called Twig. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Are they no. all cricket themed? Is there one um, <laughs> cover drive? <laughs> if, if you were a bird and you liked making noise, you'd be a... Oh. Tweet? <laughs> Almost another... What? What's another word for... What's the noise squall? that a bird... <laughs> what? A squall, is it? A, a, a little a bird. Is it, yeah. Isn't a squall a, like a meteorology thing? It's no. wind, isn't it? A squall. Like a storm. Don't birds squall? Like S-Q-W... <laughs> Have I made up a word? Anyway. <laughs> look that up. Uh, Matt, yeah. you get one point. For Wicket. I knew Wicket. So here are the others. So Wicket, easy. Yeah. Chief Chirper. I would have accepted Chirper. Logray. Tebow and Peplu. Those are the ones I could have probably got. What? Now, and then uh, it goes, uh, Nikki, Nippet, Rack, Graf, Kazak, Rabin, Wusser, Leektar, Tokat, Nanta, and Flitchy. Wow. Genuinely, none of them I would have known. Yeah, could no, have. I don't, I don't feel bad. Noises. It's not like one of those where I'm like, oh, how did I get that? But this could be, go horribly for us, Matthew. Right. Uh, one point to Matt. Well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, Great. Question two. Uh, to you, Cardi. Yeah. There are seven modern forms of lightsaber combat. How many can <laughs> you name? What the fuck off? <laughs> These aren't even in the films. How am I meant to... I know my Star Wars films. Um, do you want to name it? Can, can we phone a friend? <laughs> I can. I can. I can go one. All right, Matt. Six. <laughs> It doesn't matter, does it? For six. <laughs> I was going to say. You, you actually going for six? 
it doesn't matter. We none of us know any of them, so it's always going to be a bust. Uh, okay, name them. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even do one. So go on then. Like literally, the only things I'd know is like from I think in the Jedi Knight games, there's like heavy, medium, and light, <laughs> which I presume are not them at all. So that's, this that's is a bust. Not the case. There we go. All right. Uh, the actual answers are Shicho, Makashi, Soresu, Ataru, Shien, Diman, and Duo. Oh, Come on, why did you demand. not like that? How many witches I, got? I like. Right, I, you <laughs> no, will. <laughs> with some guesses, you might be able to get some of these following okay, answers. Okay. If they're in the films, I might have a shot. Uh, so this is to you, Matt. There are 12 places where kyber crystals have been found. How many can you name? And certainly, I've heard of three of these. Four of these. Jeez. It's like, well, how... And it's, it's, is, it, is it's there any parameters here? Like, planets. Uh, planets. Yeah, but I don't... Not that this is going to help me, but like, is this expanded universe original expanded universe is this post the wiping of the canon expanded universe i don't Hang on, I'm, well, uh, i'll guess okay. three though i'll try three i don't know look i didn't come up with this quiz i'll ask tk it's in madness you're going, madness. you're going three i think <laughs> I i'll could. try three i think i could have maybe done two um, i want you to name three okay uh so so uh okay and one is i, I was gonna give you a... on a game <laughs> so one is in the movies for sure i think two are in the movies one is from one of the animated things series who watches them i do <laughs> a lot of love people <laughs> Go on, name, i know name they're three. very popular name three uh i know i know i'm Why sure none one? of these are <laughs> uh dagobah no. No. There yes. we go. Yavin 4. No. So no. I was going to have Ilum because that's in the game. Correct. There we go. Oh, is Ilum in uh, where you get them in Thingy? Um, in the Fallen Order. Game. Fallen Order, yeah. yeah. Also, um, oh, I've gone completely blank. What's the fiery one? The lava planet. Mustafar? Does that Mustafar? have one? The Mustafar system? I don't know if they have. No, that's not in there. Tatooine, that's in there. Oh, do they have one? Dantooine, that's in there. Uh, Lothal from uh, Oh, what Rebels. about Crate? Do they have them? No. Oh, I thought they had them. Oh, well. No. <laughs> right, currently 2-1 to you, Cardi. It would have been hard enough just to name, like, Star Wars planets. Could have done that. <laughs> well, good job you've said that, because guess what's coming up oh, shortly? no. <laughs> Question number four to Cardi. There have been seven named owners of the Darksaber in Star Wars canon. Well, you know one of them, surely. Well, I know what his fucking actor's name is. Oh, (laughs) we've we've written so much about it on site. I've not written about it. I've not Mm. written anything about the Mandalorian. How many can you name? What's his name? (laughs) 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 Oh... There's going to be a Darth in there, isn't there? 
It might be. How do you just play it safe with one? Let's go one. Okay. Matt. Go on, name him. Oh, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) What's his name? I can hardly say Giancarlo Esposito, can I? That's I know, not that's his name. <laughs> he's, I'm sure he's general something. He, uh, he shares uh, the moniker with somebody from A New Hope. Oh. He is. What, is he a moth? moth? He's a moth, he is a isn't moth. he? He is, yeah. Moth, but what's his name? That's the key bit, isn't it? That is the key. Yes, that what is, is his name. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right, I'm just going to... Because it's expanding the universe. I'm going to say... I'm just going to take a guess on a name. Or it does, you didn't have to go with him. You could go for yeah, somebody exactly. else. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, going to go There's another recognisable character. character in there. I'm going to... Uh, see, I've got a couple on my mind, but I don't know which one to plot for. There's, there's two others that I recognise. I'm going to go and say that this guy had one. Darth Tyrannus. Incorrect. The other one was going to be Thrawn. I don't know a lot about him. I don't Um, think Thrawn would have it. I don't know. Because he's um, Navy, isn't he? I literally know his name. (laughs) So, uh, Moff Gideon is the character from Mm. um, Mandalorian. Uh, And then he's got Maul in here. I assume that's Darth Maul. Oh. Um, and then Sabine from Rebels also. I think that's that Sabine. Oh. There you go. There we go. The things you you never knew. <laughs> Last question. Two all. Oh, what a thriller, eh? There are millions of planets in Star Wars. <laughs> we could be a while. Name them. <laughs> no, it's not. No. Uh, but only 58 of them start with the letter C. I don't know why. C. C. Would you like to name them? It's Matt first. Yeah, um, I can do one. I'm just trying to find. Uh, so I've got a, an Excel sheet of all of the different names. Well, you've you've definitely know. I know uh, one. Like, I can, well, can definitely do one. But also, another one was mentioned quite recently. Yeah. Oh no 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 no! That one wasn't. Was it? I can't remember. There is. I don't like, know if some of them are C or K's. That's my problem. Mm. You're going one? Yeah. No. Uh, two. You're you're looking to the side card as if you're I'm, looking I'm at not, the screen. I'm not cheating at this game. Go on, go on name them. I can't, like, I know one. See, I know one. one's not going to count. Well, well I'm going to have crate, because I said it earlier. Correct. That was the C. There's another one that I thought was much, much easier than that. I'm Don't trying say Al. You're prompting. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, if he doesn't know what it is, then he doesn't know what it is. Okay. Oh, I'll get there. I've got a feeling they must be in the films. They are in the films. I don't know if this counts as the planet or not, because it, by the sounds of it, it shouldn't. Um, have a quick think. Say it, coward. (laughs) (laughs) I would have only got these two. No, I'm pretty sure the planet's called something else. 
I think this one's a K as well, the other one I've got. I'm just going to have to give up, aren't I? It's Why don't you say it if you don't know? It. Well, I was going to go Cloud City, but I'm pretty sure the planet's Bespin. So, yeah, that yeah. is correct. What, what's I was just Cor- trying to think Coruscant, of Coruscant, mate. Coruscant. I didn't know if yeah. that was a city as well. Yeah, no. Coruscant, Coruscant uh, is a planet. And the other one I was thinking a... of was Camino, but that's a K, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Uh, let's have a look. Camino would not have that's uh, a K, it? happened. But yes, it Coruscant happened, is the yeah. one. <laughs> so that thrilling saga. Oh, yeah, what, a, what an absolute <laughs> event. Ended what? with a win for Matt. Well done. Three... <laughs> Versus two. That was, this is the hollowest victory. Uh, please, if you have any endless search quizzes that you can send in that are slightly easier, that would be much appreciated. It's IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Mm-hmm. Now, let's move on to your feedback. And I believe, Matt, you've got the first piece of feedback. Uh, yeah, I have a... Uh... Uh, a piece in from Barnaby Rowe, who I believe is a repeat uh, emailer. I think we've offender. had. I'm not saying he's an offender, um, but yeah, this was a, a podcast that I wasn't on, right? Um, uh, he says, "Hey guys, I'm the dumbass that bought Fire Emblem Three Houses <laughs> on what I had mistakenly thought was a strong recommendation from Joe. I believe for anybody that hasn't listened to that episode, the idea was is that he's been listening to the back catalogue of episodes." Mm. got to a preview an episode where joe previewed fire emblem yeah uh, from the good half of fire emblem and then so um paul barnaby went out and bought it because he thought that was a review not a preview and fire <laughs> emblem doesn't have the best latter half of the game i would agree um so barnaby says i doubt any of you were waiting with bated breath for an update but here it is nonetheless what a shite game <laughs> <laughs> i played Thorough a fair review. few hours <laughs> played a fair few hours of it before realizing it wasn't going to get any better so to me this suggests that barnaby might if he's only done a fair few hours i'm gonna guess he didn't get to the middle bit where it actually has a really really good central moment yeah. um but then it gets bad after that <laughs> um so if you didn't like it before you definitely wouldn't have liked it after there's only there's only so many irritating conversations with petulant whiny students <laughs> i can take before enough is enough I have since deleted the game and taken the 50 quid loss as, as a life lesson in not making impulsive purchases. A lesson I apparently forgot when it came to <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima. Yet another pile of shite. But hey, what can you do? At least control AWE should be good. You mm-hmm. hope. You'd hope. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I quite like Ghost. I know, Matt, you're not a big fan of Ghost. But I no, enjoyed but I, it. I don't it think I'd say it was a pile of shite, though. No, I just no. think it's not anywhere near as ambitious as it should be. Yeah. No, I, I played it for a few hours and it just didn't grab me mm-hmm. at it's, all. It's a, for me, it's a mid-2000s Ubisoft open-world game, but hey-ho, we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> um, what's the most impulsive purchases you guys have made that you almost immediately regretted? Cheers for the brilliant podcast every week, especially Joe. All right, thanks. Well, Barnaby. he's the one that gave a bad recommendation. <laughs> I think it's because Joe then... normally gets a bit of flack. You know, people say... Yeah. Uh, I like everyone okay, except adds, Joe. So we're, we're, this is a balance. Getting now, a bit right. Yeah, I yeah. see that that works. All the best from Barnaby. Impulsive uh, purchases, chaps. What we got? I I tend to research my purchases. I'm not very impulsive yeah. when it comes to. Um, I do what I do have slight regrets with my. So about probably with about four years ago now, I bought a nice new 4K TV, but it didn't come with HDR because at the time I was like, mm. I don't need it. I kind of wished that now I've done it just so I have the option because I keep looking at being like, 
I could do with an HDR TV, but at the same time, I only got this one a few years ago and it is very good still. So, mm-hmm. what have you got, yeah. Cardi? I've got a Sony Bravia 4K. Okay, so it's not. So splashed out a bit. It was like six hundred quid or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I spent my time and by the time, yeah, I, I kind of made the judgment. I don't need HDR because I think even back then HDR added a good couple hundred on. Like, because mm. then it's only the brand new models had it. But yeah, I kind of wish, wish I'd. Yeah, that. I think for my next one, it'll be a, a wait until I've got the budget to... I, I'll go all out OLED, like LG. Well, that's it. You mm-hmm. have to, I think. Because mm-hmm. like, if you buy even like the mid-tier one, so like the one we've got in the living room, that's got HDR. But the effect is... It's obviously not the best it can be, so it's shy, and I'm, so I switch it off. Mm-hmm. Whereas we've got a new telly, which is like a nice Samsung. Yeah. And that, the, the OLED, the difference is like night and day. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Maybe in a couple of years. Maybe I'll mm-hmm. maybe I'll think about it. Um, not necessarily an impulsive purchase, but more in line with games was. I can remember as a kid, um, I used to go with my dad to kind of like I don't know if you've ever been to like a computer market. I guess like a yeah. you know. Um, so we went there, and there used to be a guy with a store that sold um, video games. He was kind of like the only games bit out of largely a hardware section, and um, I can remember buying the terminator 3 video game from him and getting that back and playing that for about 40 minutes before realizing it was absolutely irredeemable garbage Mm -hmm. but obviously how do you take something back when the computer market is only there once a month so what i did was is i took it back to a game store this is where i confess my sins and told them that my auntie had bought it, but she'd lost the receipt. Could I trade it in? I traded it in for Medal of Honor Rising Sun. Yes, you that is, monster. That is awful. <laughs> that is... I want you to write a letter of apology to game. So, uh, <laughs> I haven't... I have, don't have a game story, but I did buy an inflatable kayak. Um, <laughs> well, it was this summer. Um, like After being on holiday, uh, everybody was out on inflatable paddleboards and kayaks, and I saw a cheap one, I thought go for that uh bought it went out on the sea with my five-year-old boy and it basically deflated in the middle and ended up being like a like an inverted <laughs> triangle uh, at which point i was like shit get him out get him out so <laughs> not ideal uh, i did take it back i got money back but still that was mm. one of those things I, I had these grand visions of life on the waves yeah and it didn't really work out i suppose like i bought that. like the um like nes classic mini Maybe played that for about 20 minutes. Oh, God, yeah, the SNES, SNES Classic. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, same thing. I thought, Scarlet, my daughter, let's play this. I love these games. And you realise that they're just not interesting to play as a 10-year-old. <laughs> well, I think she's probably eight at the time or something. Yeah. Uh, right, so I have a piece of feedback from... Uh, I don't know if this is this person's name. Apollo Dingo? Is that really yeah. their name? It's the name they, right. they gave. I mean, if it is, very well done. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, he says, or she says, I think you guys are sleeping on Corpo Path for Cyberpunk. Specifically, the standard trope in many Cyberpunk uh, books is that you have an ex-Corpo who is fighting for justice and literally got terminated from the company because they chose to help someone over the interests of the corporation. If you glance at the Shadowrun stories, usually the group doing the run are, compon- uh, are composed of an ex-Corpo, a nomad, uh, and typically a street kid. Those same tropes show up in William Gibson too. So I don't really know that much about cyberpunk law at all. Mm. Um, when you literally have to go and do an assault to a corporate headquarters, you really need that corpo skill set. 
P.S. Check out Richard K. Morgan's Thin Air because basically the most badass cyberpunk book starring an ex-corpo ever. Much better than Altered Carbon 2. I mean, it wouldn't take a lot to be better than Altered Carbon, would it? I'd agree, Matthew. A lot of people like Altered Carbon. I don't understand. Bollocks. Bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've never heard of uh, Thin Air. No. Joe is definitely up for Corpo, though. Yeah, Joe Joe wants Corpo, mainly because it... Thinks it, he thinks it parallels Elijah Wood's journey in Green Street. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, I recognise the, the traits that they can bring to a group, but uh, my heart's a street kid, I think. You're just so anti-corpo, aren't you, Matt? At heart. I hate him. Hate yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a nomad boy, I think, but I, I'm, I'm willing, to, willing to think about it. Uh, so I, I've not actually watched any of the stuff on Cyberpunk, so I'm hoping to go in blind. Oh, that's probably a good way of doing it. Uh, I was going to do that, but they do keep revealing very interesting things. Well, I've never really played that much of a CD Projekt Red game. Never played any of the Witcher games or anything like that. So uh, I don't know whether I'm going to like it. I I also... I think the witch is probably actually not really a gauge as to what Cyberpunk would be like. I think it's a gauge for the quality bar, but yeah. I think they'll be very different RPGs. Yeah, if you enjoyed like Deus Ex, that's probably closer. Yeah, like certainly the stuff that I've I think so I think the last thing I probably saw was either a Gamescom or E three behind this I think I've sat next to you, Cardi. Mm. Probably one of the very hot rooms. So it must yep. have been Gamescom a couple of years ago. And that looked amazing. Mm. Um but I uh, I don't really want to know too much more than that nah, if I can help. I have it. high hopes. Uh, I've got one more piece of feedback from Michael Newman. Says, hello, gentlemen. Greetings from Boston. Long time, first time here. Just wanted to get a couple of things out of the way before we start. So, One, you're all lovely, and I quite enjoy listening to you all speak about stuff. Also, if you could bring in Dale for that weird fourth slot from the beginning of the pandemic where he chimes in every 20 minutes. I forgot about that. I was, that was quite good. <laughs> we, that was back when we kind of needed someone to produce the podcast when we were using a different method. But maybe if Dale's up for it, we'll, we'll call him up sometime. As uh, a spare part. Yeah. <laughs> Best chip. Brackets. Though I do prefer the term crisp. That's because you're very wise. I'm not sure if you have these in the UK, but they're all dressed... Oh, it's yes. an absolute delight. It's a mixture what a of bar- <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's a mixture of barbecue ketchup, sour cream, onion, and salt and vinegar. I know that, that sounds, sounds weird. Sounds disgusting. But I it's a, like what are you tasting there? Everything. It's, I suppose. Like it, it's all dressed, mate. I, I obviously you can only. I think you can only get them in Canada. I've never seen them over here, but hmm. I think it's Ruffles all dressed. Very good. Oh, I mean, what are you? Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to think what you. I mean, yeah, it sounds good. Sounds very salty, but I suppose that's what you want in a crisp. So, uh, three best pick a mix. We don't quite have those here, but I'm a big fan of a peach ring or a strawberry cream puff when it comes to a salted candy. I don't know what either of those are, but I'm up for it. I think I've had a peach ring before. I think they're a bit like. Um... <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> We're getting some place here, aren't we? Here we go. <laughs> Did you go and see a doctor for it, etc., etc.? <laughs> uh, How was yeah, it? I think I've had those imported before. They're just very imported. Peach. You know, like the um, <laughs> um, like the the sugary gummy rings that you you have, like in Haribo. Oh, that, okay. that, right. they're peach flavored. Peach. Right. You kind of got sugar that. on the edge. I'm up for those. Uh, we call a sugary frozen stick in plastic tube a freeze pop. That's also what we call them. So ice pops, ice pops, oh, yeah. ice poles, oh, yeah. whatever you want to 
call them. Uh, number five, I've never drowned, nor have I come close. But well, I assumed you'd never drowned, but uh, <laughs> but one time I used a Corona Rita, the little bowls, bottle to open another bottle and ended up slicing my tendon. So don't do that. Ooh. They invented bottle openers for a reason. Yeah, don't slice your tendons. I am um, partially tore the tendon in my shoulder once at university because I was drunkenly running down. If anyone knows the University of Leeds very well, um, there's some big steps at parts of the university. Don't sprint down those when you're drunk because you might fall over into a bush and tear your shoulder. Um, And then still go out to the club afterwards because you're an idiot covered in blood. What a lad. No, an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now to Michael's actual question. Now to the point from last week's pod that finally got me to write in regarding exclusive content and the effect it has. Console exclusives are something that I believe we have come to accept as a collective when it comes to specific games, but there seems to be quite the range in severity when it comes to console exclusive content. It could potentially be recency bias, or I own an Xbox bias, but I feel that this is something that Sony has really taken a liking to and they really don't get bashed enough for it, until the Avengers business came up. Joe mentioned last week that an industry that appears to be coming more open, oh, that the industry appears to be coming more open. And while I hope that this is the case, I'm not sure Sony is willing to play nice. During the PS4, Xbox One generation, Sony is the clear-cut winner in every measurable metric. But I also feel that the term history is written by the victors is coming into play here a bit. While Xbox, from a position of weakness, has been making strides to give benefits to both Xbox and PC gamers, while playing nice with Nintendo as well, Sony has been using exclusive content in number of high-profile cross-platform games and no one seems to have brought it out prior to this in any significant way. What I'm trying to say is that while I hope that the perceived rejection of the Spider-Man exclusivity in Avengers turns into actual rejection of console-exclusive content, but more likely this will be a flash in a pan and in a few months the majority of folks will be playing a Spider-Man on their PS4s and 5s and Sony will be looking at the next cross-platform game to see its teeth into. Do you feel there's any actual traction to the push for all the kids to share their toys, or do you think we'll be sitting in our separate sandboxes for the foreseeable future? Keep up the good work, and Simon, we haven't heard about the shed in some time, so please provide updates on that. Um, the shed's doing very well. It's quite. It's been very warm here, so it's a bit of a sweat box to be in at the moment. But there may be a video coming out next week. If you're lucky, you'll see a glimpse of my shed. There's a tease <laughs> for you. Featuring <laughs> as as a B artist in. Yeah, and if it's a hot day, you're going to be in your pants. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not on IGN, this video. It's not. Okay. <laughs> oh, is this your only fans? I knew it's you were setting it up. Very yeah, special. Yeah. It's going well. Yeah, 12, 12 subscribers so far. But nice. Premium content, uh, mainly shed-based. But yeah, do we think that Sony, this generation, are going to be more willing to play with others? Uh, sort of not based off... His, his, Sony has always been the stick in the mud in terms of like they were always the they were the last person to kind of shift when it came to big uh, like cross play elements especially i think Fortnite they were the last person to give mm-hmm. in yeah. Rocket League they were the last person to give in Sony like to do things very traditionally in the console market which creates some very very interesting brilliant opportunities but also does mean that i've always felt that the PlayStation 4 is quite an old fashioned console it works it's it's like a PlayStation 2 but it's graphically much more impressive mm-hmm and has incredible single-player content, whereas Xbox have constantly been innovating in ways that I think because people largely do just want to play 
really cool looking single player campaigns like that's what sony do well but they've never like microsoft are always experimenting in these different ways which is i guess to make up some lost ground but i do think in many ways makes xbox a more attractive proposition it's just that when you've got the power of sony and the power of like it's not even close this generation i think it's even more obvious than like the whereas last gen xbox 360 was on top and playstation was Mm. below i think the boundary this generation around has just been playstation are so many more leagues ahead Mm -hmm. that they have been able to to stick to their guns and go no we exclusives are good for that company It, it makes them a lot of money um whether next generation works for them i guess depends on how closed they can make that kind of disparity between them is game pass and the innovations that microsoft have made is that enough to kickstart them off with a good start to this generation which evens know. the boundaries it's a bit be harder I, I don't without know. a halo isn't it yeah yeah but also kind of what what are sony gonna have out the gate like yeah i'd imagine spider-man but it looks like we maybe Demon Souls as well. Yeah, that might be. And Demon Souls, point. I don't think is a system seller. I think no. Demon Souls is a system seller for people like me that like Dark Souls and missed Demon Souls the first time round, and people that did play Demon Souls on PS3 and have that nostalgia for it. But it's not. It's not like Halo, which I don't think you need that niche interest to be interested in no. a Halo game. It's a big first-person shooter. Of course, you want to play exactly. it. Exactly. It might be that. Games like Avengers and, to an extent, I wouldn't be south the sound with Call of Duty. Those mm-hmm. are the, the cross-platform games that launch. If you can get something a bit extra in Call of Duty or a bit extra in Avengers, that will tip you towards getting a PlayStation mm-hmm. over an Xbox. I think the difference in... I know that kind of Michael mentions that this isn't the first time Sony have done this. I think this is the first time that Sony have done this, which is very notable for the player experience. It's it's not it's here here or there to buy an assassin's creed game that's got two extra missions if you bought it on playstation because mm. those missions will be garbage they yeah. won't be any good yeah. they can't be because the pipelines can't be there to spend that much time on it i think spider-man's probably not going to be the greatest character in the world unless this whole thing of where carnage might be on xbox or something yeah. like that or, or carnage might be spider-man more... yeah well yeah it might be that all consoles have spider-man but you only get Miles Morales if you're on Xbox and you can yeah. only play Peter Parker. If that's the case, then I can imagine Spider-Man being a good character. If it is just Spider-Man is only available on PlayStation, I don't think the pipelines will have been there to make him a compelling character. So it will be that he's just the garbage side character. But because he's Spider-Man, because he's so important to exactly. the Marvel mythos, that's what makes this a huge unfair advantage for Sony. Yeah. And yeah, if I was an Xbox only person, I'd be fucking pissed off. Yeah. Like that's and it's because he's so integral to that universe, which is why it feels so much more unfair. I think that's the thing. It's not necessarily the exclusive exclusivity of the games because you're always going to have that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the the player experience on games that are on both platforms is the bigger kick in the nuts for me. Mhm. Indeed. Um and yeah, I would happily boycott a game if, like, if one of my favourite franchises came out. I don't. I'm trying to think. Zelda came out and it didn't have, well, I don't know, Epona, and it was a, mm-hmm. a remake. It was only on this platform. Whatever. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. You wouldn't. It wouldn't be that experience that you want. No. I don't agree. do it. But you know, let us but know I do think. think. I do think Spider-Man, in some shape or form, will be in the Xbox. Yeah, or an equivalent. Yeah. yeah. Someone with the same moveset, anyway. 
but you know uh, it's DC fam down this weekend so there's mm. going to be lots of news including Suicide Squad Batman games and obviously a lot of film stuff so maybe feedback IGN underscore UK feedback IGN dot com what got you most excited from DC fandom because we'll I imagine next Friday we'll be talking a lot about what happened there Tenet will be out uh, exactly next week too so mm. if you go and see that tell us about it and let and us know what your we'll, cinema experience was mm-hmm. like we'll be in the throes of Gamescom by that point as exactly, well exactly yeah good busy God. week busy coming up uh, that's it for this week's podcast thank you Simon thank you Matt oh thank it's you. a pleasure uh, and also thank you, as always, to you for listening. And we'll be back same time next week. Until then, bye-bye. Bye. See ya.